that record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow is a creation of Woody Compton and Kelly Shane, two people who are not part of the president's legal team. One of them is a genius, and the other is a savant. Their collective IQ is over a hundred. Their wisdom is unmatched. Their weekly web comic, available at isthistomorrow.com, is often compared to the work of Albert Einstein's cousin Shecky, Isaac Newton's father-in-law Buddy, and the late great Don Knotts. Of course, only during the periods when he wasn't intoxicated, which were infrequent and not well documented. Get your collective mental rocks off with eight panels of homespun jive at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. It's free. What are you waiting for? Yeah, that was going to happen. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. <laughs> and we may sound a little different because Barry Stock is in our normal uh, undisclosed location in Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. And I, I am in a different undisclosed location in Seattle, Washington. But through the magic of technology, we're both here. That's right. We're here for you. And before we do anything else, I want to re- mention we have a patron. We have a new patron, uh, Mr. Gary Pennington, that became a friend with benefits. So he gets a shout out. So thank right. you, Gary Pennington. Thank you, Gary. Um, patron, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron like Gary and get a shout out and you'll automatically be cooler than your friends. So embarrassing. <laughs> Who do we have? You have your guest is there with you. So who do you, who do we have as a guest tonight? We have Mr. Uh, Richard Verguez in the flesh. Yes. Uh, and okay. what Richard did you what uh, Richard, what Richard uh, did you bring? Record? What record did you bring? Uh, tonight we are doing Ministry Psalm sixty nine, the way to succeed or the way to suck eggs. That's right. It's a uh, industrial metal. It's very very metally record. The half half. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, how did you um, how did you become acquainted with Al Jorgensen? It's Al Jorgensen and Paul Barker. Paul main, Barker, the right? Dude, are the two are the two main dudes, right? Yeah. So, uh, 1992, big year for music. Um, grunge is out, stuff like that. I was a tender age of nine years old. <laughs> oh, you were nine. You were nine when this came out. I, I was born in 1983, so 1993. All right, all right. I was, I was nine. I was nine years old. Um, kind of growing up and you know my sister listened to stuff she was into Depeche Mode into New Order and you know I just heard probably Nine Inch Nails maybe the year before that and yeah right it it was crazy you know it blew my mind but Ministry kind of felt like the one band that I was like because I felt like they were kind of more rugged so they weren't really the girls weren't really into them right and the first thing I ever thought, the first, I guess, first thing I thought or I saw was NWO, the video on MTV during the day. Yeah, right. And for sure. it freaked the shit out of me. And I thought it was White Zombie. And I was like, no, this is like so much cooler than White Zombie. Yeah, yes. I'm going to I'm going to say it is cooler than White Zombie. That's White Zombie sort of had its time. And it was actually White Zombie, you know, was um, their first records were produced by Kramer. Uh, in in New York, they were part of the, right, New, York, the New York scene. Yeah. New York uh-huh. scene, and then he just kind of expanded beyond and became um, uh, that character. 
Yeah, they were too commercial for their own, for that underground scene, it right, seemed. And he right. wanted to be uh, in, a, in a movie, you know? And that's kind of what they uh, they kind of showed everybody. And exactly. It was corny. It was a little corny. Yeah, that's exactly. I think you you hit it right on the head. And Al Jorgensen basically didn't give a shit about any of that. Al Jorgensen just wanted to take drugs. <laughs> yeah, I think yep. so. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Because there was, um, and there was, at this point... The band was a collective with Jorgensen and Barker at the head, and then Bill Rieflin was the drummer since the eighties. Yep. Yeah, and then um, yeah. he he played with them on the on the uh, the live album with uh, Martin Atkins. He was right. a double drummer who yeah. was also a drummer right. for PIL. Yep. But they actually got a lot heavier. I mean, the album before this was heavy too. The one before this was the one that kind of started to break them out. The the mind was that the mind is mind a terrible, terrible thing. Terrible thing to taste, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they. But do you remember Barry the earlier uh, Ministry, like the Halloween song? They were kind of oh, sure, like yeah. uh, everyday's uh, Halloween. Depeche mode, kind of. De- yeah. Depeche mode, like a little sure. or like. That's the, yeah, dancing, that's right, the, right. That's the John Mahoney New Year's Eve party. Is that vibe? Uh, is that exactly. early Ministry vibe? Uh, exactly right. <laughs> right. But they got, and it's funny. I Barry, me and Barry were like, we usually a touch base on a record before. So he's like, uh, I'm like, oh my god, I go I'm listening to this record, but it's giving me anxiety. And Barry said, "What did you what I say, said, I Barry?" To it once all the way through. Is that enough? <laughs> no, right, no. But when I said it's giving Actually, me anxiety, though, I'm going to confess it has grown on me quite a bit since I said that but to you. you. Miss- but you missed your best line though. When you said, uh, "When I said it's giving me anxiety," you said, "Yeah, but I think that's not that's, a flaw." Yeah, that's it's a, a that's a feature, not a flaw. That's, yeah, that's what they want. <laughs> not a bug. That's what yeah. they want. Yeah, it's meant that's to induce want. anxiety. Um, yeah, so definitely, I, I, yeah. So this is the first time I really dug into this record, and I hear a lot. I mean, Barry, obviously you do. Um, Killing. Fucking okay, I didn't realize how much. Oh this, man! Uh, and I don't know if Richard knows this, but because we did the first Killing Joke record with the um, aforementioned John Mahoney. With John Mahoney, that was a great episode. That's- yeah, and there is specifically for, uh, a vocal. Thank Richard, thank you for listening. Not all of our guests do listen, so I, thank you for listening. I listen to the records that I know, just because it's like you know I can listen and I relate to it. If it's a record I never heard, I don't really. No, know, that's fine. You know? That's so, fine. Yeah. You do what you want. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you listened. Um, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago who it revealed in the in the middle of the show that he had had no clue about what the show was about whatsoever. And uh, and that and that guest was that guest was not Peter Prescott, by the way. It was not correct. So. Yes. So. Wait, wait, I got what? Does he live under a cock? <laughs> <laughs> that was a reference so, yeah. to the, the joke about yes, uh, the, what was the it? Dick the, fell the dick that fell to earth with Brian Eno having That's a big right, number. That's right. The big, yeah. He has a. Um, so I hear a, Killing Joke, and then I so I also hear Slayer, which is just the whole metal. Oh, I think those. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're absolutely right with the Slayer thing. But yeah, it, we were just Richard and I were chatting beforehand, um, and he he talked about the class that Al Jorgensen basically said. You listen to classic rock, right? Yeah, so Al growing up, um, I mean, a little background quick with him. He's, I feel a camaraderie with him because he's Cuban. Uh, I'm Cuban, Cuban American. He came here when I, he was I super confess, young. I had I didn't no know idea. <laughs> so, Al, so Al Jorgensen was born in Cuba. He came wow. over here in the 60s with his mother. Um, his mom remarried a race car driver named Ed Jorgensen. And right. they kind of like adopted his name and 
uh, kind of his lifestyle, and they lived in. They first came to Miami, and then, right. like every good Cuban does, uh, yeah, of course. And, uh, he they he, didn't go to Boise. No, right. well, then after that, he moved to, to Colorado, and then to Chicago, where you yeah, know, right, shit started. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. That, so, Richard, let me ask you. I didn't. Re- First of all, Richard, I didn't realize you were that young. I didn't realize you were so young when this came out because I was thinking, Richard. For those people we didn't mention, Richard is an artist and he's a really great artist. Agreed. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. But uh, so this to, rec- did you hear our shout out on the Eno episode at the end? You haven't listened to the whole thing. I didn't hear the whole thing. Oh, you got to get the whole uh, thing. Okay. You got a right, fucking shout right. out. At the end. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, but uh, you do this record reminds me somewhat of your art in that it's a, a collage, a hodgepodge of disturbing uh, images in the form of sounds. That's correct. And that's true. You do like uh, a collage, so I wonder if some uh, you know way you, that's one of the reasons you were drawn to it. It ended up being the art that you ended up doing. Uh, so I wonder if that's one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that it was attracted you to. So it was a subconscious thing, and then we trace that even back now, you know, kind of going back to it. That's the first time I heard who William Burroughs was, and that uh, blew yeah. my mind. I was like, yeah. who's, you know, I, I'd seen, right. his, you know, he's in the video for Just One Fix, and him and Al kind of became junkie buddies. Right. And that was my yes. first exposure, to, my first exposure to that, and then it was kind of like coming from... I mean, a lot of their uh, kind of studio things. Al was really into splicing stuff up, all the samples. Yep. Right, Tons right, of right. samples all over that record. So a huge influence on, yeah, visual stuff and audio stuff as well. Um, if you've made it to, like you were saying, it's kind of a stressful record. And when you make it to the end of the record, it's a noise track. Right. And the last track is a straight-up noise it track. Is. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And there is this, the, the story... We, we mentioned drugs, but uh, drugs loom large in this entire record. So, Richard, you know, obviously, you know the story of the making of this record. So, tell us, just illuminate for people who don't know uh, what went on with the making of this record. Uh, because they, they just come off a fairly successful record. So, they right. managed and they, to. And there was a tour, a big long tour for the side project, Revolting Cox. Which was right, more revolt. dancey a little bit, but it was yeah, also... Yeah, more comical, more kind of not as edgy as a ministry right, stuff. But right, it was right. still, I guess, successful in a way, yeah. Right. So their label, Warner Brothers uh, Sire, they were on side, but a, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers yeah. gave them a big, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know... Um, Advance. Uh, Recording budget. Budget. Advance. A, a, a third and, of a million dollars to record right. a record, there's, something there's like some that. There's some dispute yeah. about yeah, how yeah. much money was involved. What did they do? Yeah, well, I heard, yeah, $750,000 is what I've seen a couple of different places. But what did they do with that initial thing? So, coming off of Mind, Mind was somewhat of a success, at least more than Rape and Honey was, and they wanted another Mind. And they gave them a bunch of money, and it was basically Al and Mikey Scassia at right. the helm. They were yep. kind of like the drug dudes who right. were like the head and of the band at the time, and they just wanted to spend it all on drugs. And they did. $1,000 yeah, a day. Did. Yeah, $1,000 a day. Yeah, and, and also his wife. I think Jorgensen's wife at the time, uh, Patty, her, his wife Patty was involved in that too. And basically yeah. they were on a $1,000 a day habit. And he, according to this, Jorgensen says, I was shooting up, smoking crack, and drinking a Bushmills laced with acid. Yeah, that's and, and it, it was he a, exaggerates. Yeah, right. Nobody, I, and no. he's still alive. I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting claim, but 
Um, we like the to believe it. It's up, fun. Sh- yeah, he yeah. was probably <laughs> shooting up is enough. Yeah, he, to- he shot up to get himself <laughs> through the day and his wife and Mikey, and they were good. And and then right, right. and then recorded some. And according to the right. Wikipedia page, that was this was the first record that uh, Mikey was involved with the band, and so he was a, b- a bad influence because yeah. there became a schism in the band. Uh-huh. Sure. So there right. was there was, drug, there was the drug guys, and then there was the non-drug referred to guys as who they called. What did he? The book club. The so they book were the, club. they would re- they would come in and record during the day, and then Al and Mikey would come in. Uh, do more drugs and just fucking record and record and then erase a bunch of shit that they did and then kind of craft it. <laughs> craft it around what they wanted. However, I've always felt that the good era of ministry ended after Paul Barker left. Where now, I, I, from what I know, I know they recently reunited him and Paul Barker got back together and they played a big show in Chicago. Yeah. And they're friendly now, but everything you hear, Al, oh, he's like an okay bass player, he's an asshole, this and that, but like, I think he kind of was the dude who had some taste. Uh, I hope Al's not listening to this, or will listen to it. It's unlikely. But uh, I feel like... Although we will reach out. (laughs) I feel like like Al had the balls and the attitude, but Paul Barker had the good taste and the kind of, the vision in a way to kind of make this record really good uh, and mind what they were and landed right because the Barker there was two Barker brothers and they both they Bill Rieflin and the Barker brothers were Bill Rieflin who's the drummer with the Barker brothers in a band in Seattle called the Blackouts and then that became or there's then they kind of split up but then ended up forming ministry uh, or at least um I didn't know about his brother. Yeah, there was okay. a brother involved, and he he did, he was not involved in ministry, but he was playing with uh, Rieflin and uh, gotcha. uh, um, Paul before in this other band, and then they formed ministry and um, you know moved to Chicago and whatever. So, right. um, but yeah, there definitely is a difference. Like some of the tracks later in the record have a different feel. Um, and, and that's according to according to Al, at least quoting in the, the the Wikipedia entry, he said, you know, that basically the stuff at the end of the record is more Paul, more Paul supposedly, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, this earlier stuff on the record is more Al and um, what's his name, My- Mikey, Mikey Scassia, Mikey Scassia. Yeah. But the album as a whole does hold up. It's terrible. Now that I know, thinking of picturing you, uh, uh, Richard, as, as a little nine-year-old boy listening to this record is very uh, disturbing to me. So uh, <laughs> I got my dad to we, went to, we went to Coconut Grove. Hey, we dad. Went, we went to the Specs in Coconut yes, Grove, son. and my dad bought me the cassette, and it was great because... All, a lot of the music I wanted at that time had the parental advisory sticker yeah, on it. Yeah. And this this album yes. didn't because there really there's no cursing on. There's it. really no cursing. I mean, as far as like like symbolism and stuff, of like you course, can't it's really completely a, out of the range of a child. So it's it's I mean it's one of the darkest heaviest things you'll ever hear. But yeah, there's not really any cursing. Nope. So I was kind of like it's, you know I'd seen them on MTV and I'm like I need this cassette. Yeah yeah, yeah. there you go. Right. That's like I'm my that's like that my grandparents taking me to the mall and letting letting me buy a Black Sabbath record in yeah. 1971. <laughs> it's the same shit. It's like, okay, I, he wants it. I guess it's fine. You know. Yeah. Well, good for parents, I guess. But I don't know if I'm down. I should have at least had a sticker on it. <laughs> you know why? And, and that, that, they were about. Are they talking? 
you know, Gibby says some shit in, I guess, in the... Gibby's, I mean, Gibby kind of phoned that in. He got real drunk and they just kind of pieced together his bit. So there's really not, I mean, aside from... Hey, uh, what about he puts his what about in that or some shit. Re- religious, that religious song, though. I, I didn't even put the lyrics down in my notes in that because I was afraid I would read them. So, so yeah, there's a big, so there's a heavy political vibe because yeah. this Bush was in office and New world order, but they weren't an overtly political band, but yeah. that came through with, I mean, that was the first video I saw and they sample Bush in there. They sample apocalypse now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yep. it's, yep. it's very, you know, kind of end of days. Uh, and, but still really sure. no cursing. I mean, some of the lyrics are pretty ridiculous and I think that's just like the heroine speaking yeah, probably sky high yes. with a heartache of stone. You never see me cause I'm. <laughs> I'm always alone. Yeah, the Scarecrow song. You're right. Yeah, right. Richard, you know, you're right. I, I agree with you because when I was digging into lyrics, I'm like, yeah, some of them are kind of a little too over the top. It almost sounds like Marilyn Manson wrote a little them or cheesy. Yeah, like, a little cheesy, but they're so yeah, distorted and so muffled that right. you don't really even know they're Can't there. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, this. Yeah, but these. I remember when this came out though, and so many people they just because it was very. There was nothing else at that time that was so heavy and aggressive, but wasn't. It wasn't the same as like uh, metal or the metal thing. It Plus, was it was the different. year of it was the year that grunge came out. So there was also and it was, that is sort of it pushing was, out. It too. was fast. So I think what I think what resonates with a lot of people with this record resonated for me is the fact that I I was into metal maybe for a minute. I was into Metallica and the Megadeth. Sure, I never sure. yeah, made yeah. it beyond that. I never yes. got into Slayer. But I, what I think what's interesting with this record is that it's. Uh, electronically programmed so you hear these right. really fast drums that sound like thrash but they're programmed drums that a human really can't play you know I was wondering about that because when that track there's one track in particular where you listen to it I've been listening to it as I on the train as I ride to work and good train in the morning it's a good train record um, and I was wondering whether some of that because you know if it was played like on stand-up drums or like on electronic drums, but it's pretty damn precise. All that stuff is programmed from what I understand. Sampled. And, and this was also the first record that they actually started or played real guitars because all the other records were sampled guitars. So really? starting with Land of Rape and right. Honey, even Twitch a little bit, you hear guitars, but that's all samples or synths. But live, kind of they're like, actually playing the guitars. Live, they're playing it. And that was the first time they I think are- they <laughs> kind of, like with Lollapalooza, people see, oh, look, it's a band. Playing guitars, not drum machines. Right, right, right. Right, right. And 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 that's the that's I appreciate that about this record that even though it is it has that at its core it's that electronic stuff it does the the live guitars on this is uh, or what sort of bring it uh, you know bring it up to the next level for me you know yeah, yeah. the fact that you could all the the those chugging uh, live guitars just add a lot. But Although, let's. Uh, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna suggest. The guitars, I was listening to them pretty carefully this afternoon, and they're very, very perfect. And I would say there's probably, there's still sampling going on. Like, they're playing, they'll play a and perfect... Lo- and they looping. looping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, there's looping, yeah. But uh, but it's still someone playing it's a, a guitar real guitar riff. and not a keyboard. Right, the riff is there, and they're, and from what I understand, it was a lot of the Mikey's playing, which okay. I forget the band he was in before, but it was a thrash band, and that's originally how Al kind of discovered him was seeing him playing this band in Chicago yeah. and he loved it and wanted to add that metal element to the sound yeah, yeah. And okay so let's listen to uh, the first track let's listen to the song that made uh, Richard a believer and made him take uh, force his dad to go buy him the cassette let's listen to NWO get in the car
So that just starts out with a roar, and they're yeah, yeah. they're just really good at getting this um this 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 groove going on, you know. Yeah, and you then, know what I heard in there all of a sudden well. is that, and you're gonna this will make total sense since it was 1992, is uh, Public Enemy, the that sound. Yeah, that's- you there, yeah, we're, uh, Richard, were you in oh, Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you not hear me? I can hear you. You, yeah. you broke up a little bit, and I wasn't sure what was going on. But, um, yeah, Public oh. Enemy, I was thinking, because that, um, you know, that that looped, some of that looped noise thing was definitely what they were uh, putting out there. Yeah, and the sample drops and everything, definitely. Hey, Richard, uh, were you a fan of them at all at that time? Did you get into them? Because, yeah, Nine. I definitely can hear that. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I, w- I mean, I was aware of them, and I'm still to this day, I always, I never got it. I never got the dynamic with Flavor Flav and Chuck D. I just always thought it was kind of silly, and I know they were a very conceptual kind of group. I mean, at that point, I was, I wanted to rock. I didn't really want to rap, got but it. I understood I mean, I understood, okay, they have Ice-T at Lollapalooza, right? He, or right, no, Ice Cube, right. I'm sorry, Ice Cube was Ice there. Ice Cube, yeah. And uh, so, and now looking back on it, I mean, it's a, a similar methods sure. such as sampling, which hip-hop is based around the sample, and That's they right. were doing a, the same thing. They're using the same kind of effects or, uh, you know, loops for effects in the same kind of way. Yep, and a lot of their, a lot of their vocals are... Um, not necessarily sung, but they are, you know, sort of shouted in a, you know, oh, in yeah. a way. On this one, his vocals are full on uh, death metal vocals. It yeah, sounds like very, a very, death- very gurgly uh, cookie monster. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it starts out, I'm in love without the tears of regret. Open fire because I love it to death. Sky high with a heartache of stone. You'll never see me because I'm always alone. So, uh, yeah, Richard, did your your parents hear you listening to this? I'm just wondering what they thought. So around this time, we had had just... Richard? Yeah. Richard? (laughs) We had just we had just moved to Florida from New Jersey, and I remember taking a lot of trips in the car because my dad. We were living in Miami, and my dad was working in Deerfield Beach, so we were taking Ooh, a lot of bro, a drive. lot of trips back and forth. Yeah. And the two cassettes that I had at that time were Faith No More, Angel Dust, and yep. this uh, this Ministry album, which I listened to the hell out of it in my Walkman right. in the back of my parents' station wagon. You know, at night, I remember uh, hearing, like, Scarecrow and just kind of rewinding it and coming back <laughs> and coming back and just, you know, pulling it apart and, I guess, getting high, if you will. Sure. <laughs> at nine years yeah, old, poor, off ministry. parents had no idea. <laughs> no, it was always... I always kind of felt... Um, with music, they never really, I mean, they were into, you know, stuff parents are into, or at least Cuban parents, which was the Beatles and old Cuban music. So I, <laughs> yeah. I wanted, I didn't want anything to do with that. Yeah. So I was like, this gotcha. is for, this is for me, you know, this yeah. freaky shit's for me. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So they had, so there's a bunch of samples of uh, the first George Bush, Bush. Uh, That's right. Herbert Walker Bush, yeah. uh, and a public address speech where he used the term New World Order. New World but did Order. Any- you were so young, though, Richard. I'm assuming none of the political stuff really. You just liked it because it was heavy and this yeah. the aggressiveness. Well, part I of knew. It, right? I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew who Bush was. And I knew my parents were Republicans, <laughs> and and I knew that there was something fucked up in the world. Seeing, I mean, seeing seeing the NWO video. There's a bunch of like cut up news footage and censored stuff, and it's just super dark, and it has this very kind of dystopian. Uh, yeah, government yeah, yeah. vibe to it and it you know yeah. it makes you think when you're a kid and they don't teach you that in school no they no. do not 
And uh, the, new, yeah, the, yeah, the phrase New World Order definitely took a, a, got a life of its own uh, right. with this sort it, of... Uh, right. There's all sorts of conspiracies and theories around yeah, the New World Order. Trilateral Commission and, you know... It goes down a rabbit hole, yeah, for months on that shit. Um, all right. But speaking of, of, of drugs, as it was before, let's get into the true. It starts out, this song starts out with the phrase, which is actually good advice, never trust a junkie. <laughs> let's, let's listen to you a little bit of Just One Fix. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure, Richard, you've read. So they ended up getting uh, William Burroughs. They, they used some of his drops, and they were trying, uh, desperately trying to get uh, permission, like, so they could keep sure. it on the, you know. They did it before they asked for permission. And then it ended up, he said, yeah, sure. And then he agreed to be in the video. So I'm sure, did, did you hear the story about when they went to his house? Like, Kansas, to do the video? Yeah, Kansas. And, and, they sh- and Al showed up three days late, and then he didn't have heroin, and then he came back, and then he finally let him in, and... I, I still because right, he slammed the door. He was holding, and he said no, and he slammed the yeah. door in his face. <laughs> so, so after that, Al claims that they were buddies, but I, I don't think Bill as so Al refers to him as Bill, like they were buddies, but I don't think Burroughs really I, cared I, for I, him I, too much at all. Because I, 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 I don't know. I saw the documentary recently. And they kind of clown Al right. a little bit. Oh. Yeah, there's like a, you know, Patty Smith's in there, a bunch of other people. Yeah, and Thurston and Kim and Sonic Youth, they were all friends with him. And and, stuff. and then they're like, and then they make some kind of reference to like, oh, yeah, and there were some people that he really didn't give a shit about. And then they show like Al for like a second. Oh. And it was like, oh. <laughs> well, I think, Al, you know, nice. I think by, by that point, Bill Burroughs was, I mean, my understanding was he was basically had a, you know, he was just taking methadone every day. And so that all of the, you know, the junkies showing up. Yeah, he doesn't want some whippersnapper showing up at his door to film a video. He doesn't give a shit. Right, exactly. He's an old man. He's living in Lawrence. He didn't even know who the president was (laughs) at the time. He's like, Bill Clinton, who's that? Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Uh, So So I got to say something. I'm going to interject here. Um, The guitar at the beginning, that sort of eerie guitar... I'm going to say that there's a certain debt owed to um, East Bay Ray of the Dead Kennedys in that little guitar riff, because that's when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is just like uh, something from uh, something off Holiday in Cambodia or um, or a, a DK song. So, right. Six surgery disaster. Could be wrong. Maybe they never heard well, that. Well, there's the Lard connection, so Jello and Al are bingo. definitely friends. Uh, yeah, so there's go. something there. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. 
just, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out and say that this song is actually, it's, it's very well done about what it's about. But I, I'm always a little iffy about too much the glorification, and, and not yeah. in a. Uh, the, too much of the glorification of heroin doing heroin because at the end of the day heroin it's just it's just a horrible thing you know it's, it's a horrible thing a lot of people's oh, lives yeah it's, it is right it fucks people's up lives and everything so to, and and i think you're right richard when you said he did uh mythologize like probably over mythologize and probably over exaggerate at some point but they were at that at this point there were junkies making this record and this song does very effectively um uh, do the junkie when it, it, some of the lines blood keeps drinking away silence of desperation mm-hmm. driving through New Orleans at night trying to find a destination so just you know driving that's from that's that's lifted pretty much from uh, you know some boroughs discussing right, their right. being out on the road and having to find being you know junk sick and driving around and uh, uh, yeah. in the south so Exactly. So it's done. It, it's done very well. It's very effective. But at the end of the day, uh, don't do drugs, kids. No. They're bad. They're bad. <laughs> they, they had to put. They had to put a heroin song on Which there. I feel the rest of it really is. The there's no parental advisory on there, and you're right. The you know, I never. That's the first time, Rob, that I'm hearing those those lyrics. Like I never. I don't know. As a kid, I, I never really thought. I'm like, he's just shouting shit. He's angry and yeah. he's fucked up on drugs. Right. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. I was like, I don't. I've never really been that much into lyrics where i'm more as a sure. voices texture kind of guy sure. uh why i'm more into kind of psychedelic right. stuff so it's like for me that was just another layer i don't know what the hell he's saying you right. know but it was interesting i can sympathize with that a lot of times All i right. learn the lyrics when we're doing the record i'm like oh that's yeah. what they're saying uh-huh. what do you know? okay so this next one you mentioned metallic and this next song, the third song here, definitely reminds me of a Metallica song. It's definitely, I could hear uh, Metallica in the ear until Al starts singing. Because then when he sings, it's different. It's not like a Metallica song. TV2, so right? Yeah. That's, yep. Yeah, that's my favorite play. track on the record. There you go. Oh, awesome. All right, let's, let's do a little bit of TV2. Starts out like a Metallica song, but when he starts singing, it turns into a uh, Killing Joke song because he sounds yeah, a lot it, like jazz. It sounds yeah. like Master of Puppets. Well, yeah, there's like the weird reverse, like bl- weird noise thing at the beginning, and then it's yeah, it's like Master of Puppets, and then the vocals come in. Right, right. And the, but the this guitars are so fast. There's no way anybody's playing the guitars and the drums. <laughs> it's like definitely sampled stuff. I mean, I kind of was picturing in my head when I was listening to it on headphones. 
like, oh, could they really do this? And then you think about the shape they were in when they were making the record, and no, it's just samples. It's yeah, the stuff they did with electronics. Not which humanly is fine. possible. Uh, yeah. Not humanly possible. Yeah. But it's done very well. He's really good at that. I mean, he's really good. Uh, obviously, at some point in his drug-induced stupor, he was able to to put all this together into something that does not. That sounds like. Fierce, you know, it really. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so I, I, I think what I like about this song the most, and it's something that even we could kind of compare this to, uh, the Pixies, Nirvana, Quiet Loud dynamic. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which is the yes. con- which is the contrast in this song, and I think that's why it's just so sharp because you have that super fast guitar and then everything cuts out and all you hear is this vocal and you just yeah. I picture this junkie just like on the floor with a needle in his arm and he's fucking <laughs> screaming into a light bulb you know yep. like it's just yep. the most demonic shit I'd ever heard it's and, the goddamn yeah. Dots, yeah, is great. it's I love beautiful it. it's so good that's yes. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's take. Guess, we're about I, halfway. I, you know, I'm I'm always perversely thinking. I wanted to look and see if there was a live version of this, and I never managed to do that. But I'm going to guess there's a 12 inch version. No, but I mean like live. Oh, uh, like, no, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think that so. this is the kind of thing you could ever. No, you'd have to be. Well, they, uh, I mean, they they did put out some live albums, and I listened some of it and they, and they managed to you know to do it to recreate it somewhat but yeah it's it's not the same thing obviously it's just not you know? I, I feel the, they, uh, in case you didn't feel like showing up live have you heard that one Rob yeah oh, yeah right. that's what I was listening to that's that a, uh, so the, uh, that one I actually think that the versions of like um, uh, so what burning inside are better on the live record and they actually use samples on the live record that they don't use on the actual record on mind and I, I just it's, it's a, I think they're better recordings a little bit more aggressive and stigmata yeah. is fucking nasty on that record oh, yeah. so much better than land of rape and honey which is half synth pop still yep right exactly yeah i agree i agree uh all right so let's take uh let's take a little breather um we're going to i guess you guys can refresh your drink i'm stuck in this uh in this undisclosed location in seattle i'm dry right now but uh, <laughs> i'll get some water and we'll be back in a minute with uh mr richard Rogas, and we're talking about ministry uh, what's the name of this stupid record again? It's uh, Psalm 69. Psalm 69, which really, it's not really the name. They're really no, on it's the, not. On the, no. It's got Latin. It's like Latin. Is it Latin? It's uh, it's some kind of Latin. And it's a Crowley thing, and it basically uh, translates to 69, suck balls. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 Of, yeah. All right, well, we'll be back with the ministry and Richard Bogas right after this. All right. record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow is a creation of Woody Compton and Kelly Shea, two people who are not part of the president's legal team. One of them is a genius, and the other is a savant. Their collective IQ is over 100. Their wisdom is unmatched. Their weekly webcomic, available at isthistomorrow.com, is often compared to the work of Albert Einstein's cousin Shaggy, Isaac Newton's father-in-law buddy, and the late great Don of course, only during the periods when he wasn't intoxicated, which were infrequent and not well documented. Get your collective mental rocks off with eight panels of homespun jive at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. It's free. What are you waiting for?
Yeah. So. Are we good? We're on, dude. Good to go. All right. Welcome back, everyone. This is That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we're here with our very special guest, Mr. Richard Burgas, talking about ministry Vergas. and Richard. Hey, hey. Burgas, right? Burgas. Am I saying it right? Verges. Verges. Oh, we're all saying it wrong. It's all right, so but we were talking a little bit in the break about Al because so what you told us, Richard? What was Al's uh, original name? His real name? So uh, Al Jorgensen was born Alejandro Casas, and uh, later changed his name because his um, his new father. I mean, he moved to the states and he had a scumbag father who uh, his mom hated in Cuba and left behind and. Um, he got a new American name, Elaine. That's like his. So on like the first record, he's called Elaine, which is very like kind of maybe like British or European oh, yeah. kind of new way. A-L-A-I-N. And then later uh, on yeah. in the years, he started. He has like a lot of weird aliases, so he started going by like Alien Jorgensen okay. and whatever. Right. Oh yes, I've seen that. I've seen that. That's mm-hmm. funny. Um, but you said, but in some ways, he was still. It's like Cuban. I I have a lot of Cuban friends. I mean, a lot of Cubans down here. They, yeah, yeah. They, you, you never even if, like. I, I didn't realize you were Cuban. I didn't realize he was. But there's some certain things that you just don't lose that uh, your your Cuban. Uh, yeah, there's a uh, and not to you know not to generalize or whatever. But I guess uh, I don't know. Oh, I know a lot of Cubans. There's this like kind of you know heavy machismo kind of Cuban sure. culture, yeah. and also this very kind of larger than life exaggerated. Um, kind of thing. It's just something Cubans like to do. They love to tell stories. They love to tell stories and they love to exaggerate them. And Al is is super interesting. He's great at it. I mean, I just got through his autobiography and it's super interesting. But how much of it is true? I don't know. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The good point. Very good point. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next song on this record is a song... Uh, called Hero, and this also reminds me of a metal, like an earlier Metallica song, both both in how they delivery, but in the theme also, because I, you know, because the theme of it definitely reminds me of Metallica. I'd right. say it's the most uh, metal. I'd say it's the most bit. metal record, uh, metal yeah, this, song on the yeah, record. I yeah. agreed, yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Metal song on the record, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, all right, let's listen to a little bit of Hero. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely. It feels like an early Metallica song, and this is the one that we were talking about the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics are kind of cheesy in this one. I, I, it's uh, yeah, it's very heart, cheesy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like his heart's maybe not totally in this. I'm, I'm not buying it. When he's singing about the the drugs, well, is this, I'm, is this I'm, Al singing? 
That is Al singing. I think it's very tongue-in-cheek, though. I think it's okay. very much just kind of him taking the piss a little bit, maybe just trying to make a, uh, okay. trying to make a cheesy metal song. There you go. I, well, he, he did. He was successful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although the riff is fucking killer. It's got it's a great riff. riff. Yeah, uh-huh. It is. It's like, it oh, is. yeah, you know. You don't really care what he's saying because uh, the music is cool. They get you ready to fight. The fuse is ready to blow. You shoot to kill on sight. They call you G.I. Joe. I mean, that's pretty bad. <laughs> it's they're just, doing the uh, best. They do what they can to get them ready for Vietnam. That's the first Commando. time I'm hearing these lyrics. Involved yeah. again. Yes. It's a Ramon you song. Never Commando. Stop. Yeah, it's the same shit. You never, wanted, you never wanted to stop the smell of burning flesh. The hero marches <laughs> alone. Across oh, it's the highway, highway of death. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's so, see. Yeah. Okay, hold on. When did we do that thing when they were pulling out of um, when they were the Iraqis were running from uh, the Kuwait back to Iraq, and they had all this well, shit that they that had this re- was- that they had hijacked from Kuwait, and they were on this highway. So it's topical. It that is time, topical. Yeah. We went it's in top- with yeah. the jets, and that we. Was- just, H-W-Bush. Yeah, I think that was H.W. Bush. And we totally destroyed everything on the highway. There was just photos of just like, you know, carnage for miles and miles and miles and miles. So the highway of death was a was a real thing. Uh, so maybe he's responding to, you know, fucking the Gulf War. That's we forgot. That's probably, what's going on yeah. then. Uh-huh. Right. But he could have done but he could have done better. He probably was. Uh, <laughs> he's he's still a cheesy Cuban guy. At right. Heart, right. Who, grew, right. who grew up on like yeah, uh, sure. what sticks and cheap trick. And, yeah, right. Uh, That's right. you know, That's uh, right. I really hope. He, he doesn't. I really hope Al doesn't listen to this episode because we're, uh, we're we're kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit. It happens. Uh, but you still, but but you love, but still at the end of the day, you love this record though, right? I mean, uh, I yeah. love it. I still love Al. I think he's brilliant. I mean, he's uh, he's totally out of his mind, but he's you know, I mean, is he, he isn't still a uh, junkie, is he? No, he, he, so. he still just he drinks beer. That's all he does. He drinks beer. Okay. I think he smokes a little bit of weed, but that's about it. Okay. Why do you need more than that? That's what I don't understand. All right, so let's – now we get – this is the song. This next song is the one that basically got – because what happened was the record company went to them and said, all right, what what do you have to hear a single. Yeah, right. Here it is (laughs) without the lead singer on it. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing they had to give them was this, Jesus Built My Hot Rod. So they gave it to them. But, so the record company, obviously, they hated it, but they put it out, and it ended up, it Being did really good. Yeah. It's so a great, it's a great it, song. We should mention in advance that the it's lyrics, the singing is by, the at, at that time, also quite fucked up, Gibby Haynes from the uh, Butthole Cerberus. Uh, singing gibberish, which is sort of ironic that Gibby yeah, is doing gibberish. Just the story of them bringing in, the, the, and he kept like falling off the stool, and it's like basically it was gibberish, yeah, and basically yeah, he Al was really sort of, he was really fucked well, up at the time. With this track, what was like really interesting to me was the fact that why would a band bring in another guy to sing lead vocals? Like it just didn't. It didn't make sense to me. And I remember going back and reading the liner notes over and over again. I'm like, who's this Gibby Haynes guy? Yeah. And then kind of looking it up and seeing, oh, butthole surfer. Right, okay. Right. Yeah, Why would all, that happen? Because they're drug buddies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, That's but basically it's the also, answer. 
but no, but it's also kind of genius. It kind of shows the genius of Al Jorgensen, like, you know, sort of thinking outside the, the box. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's totally enjoyable. Being like a curator in a sense, where, yeah, sure. and having a project, like, so going back to a project like Pig Face or Revolting right. Cox, which it was a bunch of different talents. Yeah. Who they traded all kinds of du- duties from yeah, guitar right. to vocals. And it's like you hear Chris Connolly singing, you hear, um, you know, uh, one, I think uh, one of the guys from Front 242 was right, in them exactly, early sure. on. And yeah. it's just like, so it's a whole kind of, it's an art project, essentially. Right. It's very much kind of an art rock kind of situation. But by the time they get here, there's their major label pressure. Sure. Big money, drugs, and it's the same old story, but they got to, they, they pulled a, pulled, uh, you know, pulled it out of the hat, pulled a rabbit out of the hat on this one. And it was a huge, it was a huge record too. And, and, uh, all right, but then this song just rocks. This song, I love, whenever you put this song on, you can't, great. you can't not do this song. And the guitar work in this is just fantastic. So listen to a little bit of Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Butthole Surfers. The song that was out around that time was "Who Was in My Room Last Night." Exactly. And it's it's very similar (laughs) vocal delivery. Very so, and it's another great, just like fucked up song. Right. Yes. We did that record. We covered Independent Worm Saloon on the show. But Tim, and there is a song on there called, they call it Some Dispute Over T-Shirt Sales, and it's basically this song. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Do you, so, do you yeah. remember about it? Yeah. I do. It's been a, a, a few episodes back, like and it's a 75 yeah, episodes yeah. ago. Yes, yes. But uh, so it is. So there was, they sort of shared that. But yeah, and, and uh, that guitar player, I forget. What's the guy's name? The other uh, Mikey, guy. Mikey Scassia. Who I should mention <laughs> perished. On stage, yeah, he in ripped, 2012, he ripped doing what he loved. Yeah, uh, a solid dude from all accounts, you know, from what Al talks about him, and just seemed like a, yeah, f- he was fucked up on heroin most of his life, but he seemed like a solid dude, right? Great, great musician, and, and it does, it will take it, it does take a toll on the physique, and eventually, you know, as so many of Seattle's, uh, um. Yes. Highlights have yeah. been brought low by the uh, uh, the brown powder. Yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm not going to run out and buy some heroin after we're done. Oh, yeah, be this. careful there in Seattle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I'll be surprised yeah, if you go to get Chinese food. That'll be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
he almost plays some of his riffs are kind of like blues based riffs in this one. He does. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it's, it's actually, a killer song and it's got a great chord change and it's yes. you know Gibby's even Gibby just jabbering bullshit is um is entertaining it's entertaining and funny. Yeah. Of course. So are you familiar with the video? I've seen it, but I have not so, seen it. So uh, a tidbit here, and I'll tie this into the album cover. So um, the guy that they that did the album cover, uh, he directed. He had never directed a video before, and they hired him to direct okay. a video for for Jesus Built My Hot Rod and do the single cover. Okay. Which, if you remember that, it's the big red motor. It's like a muscle car yeah. motor. Yeah, yeah, It's a yeah, ministry. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, super, yeah, right. super iconic. And I remember seeing that as a kid on a t-shirt and I'm like I want that fucking t-shirt man that <laughs> yeah, looks sure. so cool and it was just like such a such a strong visual accompaniment to this record I feel and that's yep. initially what brought me in and then you hear the music and it was just the perfect kind of package bingo agreed it was for a young for a young Richard uh, alright so this next song this is this, this song is uh, finally things uh, like slow down, down a bit on this record this record just hits you bam 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 but this song slows down and you definitely have this is more like a killing joke style slow jam yeah, like one of their totally. slows but uh this I, I this song is genuinely terrifying i'm not a religious person. well i'm jewish anyway but someone who is religious this is sort of like the imagery in this is like jesus as God a loves terrifying you too, Rob. <laughs> as a uh jesus as a terrifying scarecrow, like Jesus on the yeah. cross as a scarecrow. Is that, what the, is that what the lyrics? Yeah, I've never is, read. Yeah. I never That's read. Once about. again, I've never yeah. read the lyrics. But just the it's song is so heavy. Yeah, it's junky Jesus. Hey, we'll yeah. take it's it. Let's junky listen. Jesus on the cross. Junky Jesus on the cross. Listen to a little bit of scarecrow. All right, but so the yeah the lyrics. All right, so listen to some of this. Since you've never, since you didn't dig in that far, which is probably better off that you didn't, Richard. I but, don't know uh, why I didn't, but I just didn't. Yeah. 
Four yeah. nine. What do you care about the lyrics? But right. staring in the face of condemnation, laughter fills the sky instead of rain. Live my life alone in resignation. Arms outstretched for those who cannot see. Scarecrow, crucified and left in isolation. Pictures of our lost mortality. Scarecrow. Yeah, okay. I okay, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the lyrics in this are actually really good. And our, here's another thing I realized listening to this from this whole thing. I didn't realize how much Marilyn fucking Manson stole from this guy from Minnesota. Yeah. Because listen to this song and it's fucking, oh my God, Marilyn. And, you know, Marilyn Manson, uh, the Antichrist superstar came out like four years after this. And, <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, he ripped the shit off of this. Well, so. uh, another funny, another really kind of funny thing about this song and the sampling. So there's the Exorcist sample, but yes, there's. Yes. Do you know where the guitar, the guitar sample later in the song comes in from? Ah, uh, no. Uh, the Smiths. How soon is now? Oh, I knew I heard that. Why? Uh, why? Uh, I have no I, idea. You know what? No idea. I kept thinking that sounds like well, the Smiths. Are they sampling the Smiths? And you're right. It, it's a great riff. It's a great, yeah, it's Johnny sure. Marr. It's yeah, a great, it's a great guitar it. sound, yeah. and for whatever That's reason, awesome. they couldn't pull it off and sampled it. Right. Well, no, I mean it was easier just to sample it. We should mention that Morrissey's an asshole here. Like any time, <laughs> I, I hate him. I, I, I mean, fucking hate him. He used to be, you know, just a tolerable asshole. And now he's an intolerable asshole. So. Well, I hope I hope Marcy doesn't listen to this because this will hurt his feelings. Uh, <laughs> Everything hurts his feelings. <laughs> he's All a right. whiny little so, bitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Richard, but you really like that song, right? That song it's definitely a different vibe than the rest of the record, but it's something you could definitely. Uh, so, so Scarecrow, I like vividly remember listening to Scarecrow in the dark, driving down ninety five in the back of my parents' station wagon, all right, and just envisioning uh, this like uh, this like hovering yeah. like uh, just hovercraft of doom. Yeah, sure. You it's know, and you're there, and you're just kind of floating, and it's like I think this song. Is probably the closest thing to like the sonic equivalent of heroin. I, fe- I ah. feel. Whereas just one fix is about heroin. Scarecrow feels like you're on heroin because it's so slow. I've never done heroin, but I think that's what it would sound like. There you Good. go. That's all right, kids. Listen, don't do heroin. Listen to this. Listen to Scarecrow. Yeah, listen to Scarecrow instead. <laughs> and, and that's all you need. Um, all right, so now we get into the other religious song on this record. This is the. I guess it. The title track because it is called Psalm 69. Let's just do a little Psalm 69.
terrifying is all that? That well, sounds like... Ask Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Yes, Black Sabbath. But it also sounds like the 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 Omen, like the movie The Omen, like the beginning, you know, the music and the Omen. So, and I, I think what makes it so terrifying, too, is the samples. I, at least yeah. for me, yeah. I, for me as a kid hearing that, and I didn't realize what that was till years, years later when I finally saw the movie. Yeah. Do you guys right. know the sample there? It feels like my heart's being touched by God. Uh, altered states. Oh yeah. So it's All a girl right. who's yeah. in the isolation chamber, chamber that's and right. that's what she says she's feeling. That's right. And I heard that's that in the movie. I was like, oh, ministry. And I, ne- I, ne- yeah, I didn't know. I, this was before yeah. internet. Ouch. I didn't think to look it up. And yep. yeah, there it was. Right. Yeah. So I'm not. I will just say this. I, I cannot reading. I'm not going to read any of the lyrics in this song because they're just. They, <laughs> I'm Jewish, and I'm afraid that I would burst into well, flames. If okay, I, then, well, maybe. the Book of Revelations. I, I may. I'll tell my short little story about Book of Revelations. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church uh, from a young age, and though, and so you know, you had to go to church a lot uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and so you would have to sit there, and you couldn't bring anything to play with. There's no phone. There was no games. There was no nothing. So you're stuck with the, the prayer book or the hymn, the hymnal, or the Bible. And so you learn as a kid that the only entertaining book of the Bible as a child is the book of Revelations because it's full of all kinds of, well, apocalyptic shit because that's what it's about. Spooky shit. Spooky shit. That's about the apocalypse. So you sit and you, you know, I've read the book of Revelations much more than any other book of the Bible. (laughs) And I will, I have read some other books of the Bible, believe it or not. I do believe you want to cure um, yourself of religion, read the first five books of the Bible in a English translation, like a modern English translation. You're going to be like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and that, well, that's going to be, that's going to be on, that's your people's part of the Bible there. Rob I hate Bilbo. To, that's I, old, is the, uh, is the, the old testament. That's right, the Torah. I'm, I'm just into the food mainly. I'm into the, the It's food. good. I'm, I agree. Um, some babka, and, had some babka last night. Really tasty. Yeah, mazel delicious. Tuff. Mazel tov. <laughs> but even We've Richard, all been now, this song, in the as, book of life. As cool and creepy as it is, towards the end, you know when it speeds up, it gets faster. And then that part, it gets kind of cartoony for me. It gets kind of, like, it sounds like kind of cartoony and it sort of loses, like... Because, yeah, at the end of the day, the whole goth, you know, the goth thing, you have to sort of suspend some of your... Because it's kind of... Ridiculous! It's that, all kind of ridiculous. This, this is probably my least favorite song on the record. I love I love the intro, uh, right? Because right. it's because it's stupid and funny with the guy saying congregation. Yeah, right, you know, it's yeah. very and growing up Catholic, ah. I saw a lot in that because I was going to Catholic school sure. and it was very much the kind of you know this weird dark thing that I was sure. listening to. So I could relate on that end, but the, yeah, the rest of the song it's a super cheesy song. And it was the kind of song where it's like if I had a CD, I would skip over it, but I would kind of listen to it, and then I would wait for the end of the record, because I love the end of the record. I love the last two tracks. Uh, but Psalm 69 is kind of a throwaway for me. Okay. okay. True All right, so that's interesting. So you like the last, because the last two, I would say the last two songs are probably more of the book club uh, contribution. I agree. To the they're, I agree. They're more, yeah. they're, they're more yeah. They're, they're more book club, and people could say yeah, maybe they're, they're filler. But say maybe they're filler. But I know that's what I was thinking when I was listening to them. Thinking, ah, maybe drugs aren't that bad because the drug stuff I, it grabbed me more than this. But uh, I will say I like the first uh, instrumental uh, corrosion better than the second one. But let's just uh, let's. 
let's listen. Uh, I'm going to jump in a little further. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, Corrosion. Actually, listening to it now, this song is really cool. Actually, it, it this, is. Yeah. Again, this, Richard. Again, and this reminds me. It harks me back to like to like your art and like the uh, you know just the collage of different things and different things sort of coming at you. Uh, and I, yeah, this, it, it's done pretty well on this one. This is like an an, an, an INC song. Like if, if I was going to <laughs> noise conference, this is one I would probably stay inside for. I wouldn't run outside from for this. One. So so this so with, with this track, I I feel like um, so the whole record you've been kind of being fed stuff. You've been being fed a bunch of cheesy lyrics here and there. Yeah, a lot of motifs and different themes and stuff. And I feel like these last tracks, it's like all right, well you just heard a bunch of shit. Now it's time to process it. So I feel like with these last two tracks, here's an instrumental. Kind of make up your own lyrics, your own kind of ideas. So these, I felt, were kind of like rests where it's just like, man, I'm, you know, I'm listening to this. And it's just an instrumental song, which in a way is kind of weird, too. Um, I also tie it in a little bit with Faith No More and a similar sound where they have a really good instrumental called Woodpecker from Mars. That's on the end of the first record. And... I compared a lot to that, and that was another, you know, tape I was listening to at the time. So I feel like those kind of uh, just that idea of kind of using your imagination and not having words telling you what to think. Right. Yeah. That's what's cool. Did you grow to appreciate them more, or did you like them like did, or when you were younger? Or did did you like them even as you as a young guy? Did you like not skip them even younger? Who's that? Faith No More Ministry. No, you, like when you were listening to this record, like now you appreciate these instrumentals at the end, but did you appreciate them all, like oh, right? Yeah, yeah, as a, yeah, as a kid, because I think it was like oh, Psalm 69 hit me and it was like so cheesy, like the track right before. And then you had these yes. songs. I'd never heard anything like Grace, which right. is the last song, which we'll go into. Yeah. Uh, Corrosion, uh, you know, an instrumental like that. I feel like it has the same propulsive kind of force as NWO, this really yeah. mechanical, industrial feel that's just like blows you away. And I, I didn't know anything that sounded like that. And the fact that there's no singing, you know, it kind of just created a world for me. So, yeah, I dug it back then, for sure. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, you were a very advanced kid then. I, yeah, uh, I, I try, right. yeah. But now we get to the final track of the album, and I'm going to be brutally honest and say if this was uh, INC performance, I would probably have gone outside. <laughs> you go home by like this time, yeah. But yeah. let's listen to a little bit of Grace. Thank you. 
so there, there actually there is some samples uh, going on in there, and it is, uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's just it definitely. Um, There's no power ballad on the album. <laughs> well, I feel, left, I feel that's, that's the scarecrow kind of so, fills that well, hole, right? Well, okay, so uh, they they pin them down as an industrial band. So what is industrial? Industrial right. isn't My Life with the Throat Cold. Called industrial is Throbbing Gristle. Industrial is SPK. Industri- yeah. you know that kind of sound. So I feel like this is the closest that Ministry really get to you know what I guess classic industrial is with right. the samples yeah. with the guitar noise with the just really unconventional right. the really unconventional song but some of this record has much more conventional textures sure. on it that's what made it such a huge hit was it was the first time that that stuff was mixed in with right the, the at least the first time I heard it Nine Inch Nails kinda did it um, at least at least in the US yeah, but I think Ministry even appealed to, or, or at least this record even appealed to an audience that was had probably never listened to anything like this. And they well, heard... Well, metal, because you don't really hear that in metal. It's got metal riffs, but you don't really hear exactly. all that fucked up, looped, uh, kind of found sound stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, they, they, uh, yeah. they pulled it and, off for the... Uh, yeah, and, and the last two instrumentals, I think, sort of also make it more of a cohesive, like a art piece as a whole. You know, the album, it, it does, I, I, you know, I sort of agree with you, even though they are, especially the last one is well, it not gives, It actually gives them cred because they're actually doing some industrial tracks that are, yeah, you know, yeah. because Jesus Built My Hot Rod is not an industrial track. It's, you right. know, it's, it's a rock song. It's I mean, a rock it's song. A rock yeah, song. Sure. It's a fun rock song. And that's what Warner exactly. Brothers, I mean, Grace is probably Warner Brothers' least favorite song, too. But exactly. They had to put, they had to keep it there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They handed them the album and said, here's uh-huh. the tapes, take it or leave it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me some more drugs. Uh huh, more drugs. <laughs> it all worked out. It was a multi platinum record, and uh, they did really good. I'm sure they were able to buy a lot more drugs after this. Record. Yeah, I think there was, I think <laughs> after this, the book club portion of the band was less. Um, inv- I don't know how much longer Reefland lasted. They maybe. did the uh, Dark Side of the Spoon. Oh, no, Filth Pig was next. Yeah. Filth Pig was next, which I kind of signed off after that. I, f- I, I didn't really, I wasn't into him as much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that happened. It happens. Um, well, Richard, uh, thank you so much for bringing this record. Yeah. This is not something probably we, me and Barry, would have gravitated to ourselves. Not, but okay. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about, but no. And, I, and I, I'm really, I'm impressed that it had such an effect on you at such a young age. I'm also, I'm a little scared by that too, but I think that's awesome actually. And I, I, I think it's cool. Now you know how twisted I am. Yeah. Tri- yeah Richard Tri-State <laughs> Crime Spree. No, uh, it was Verges. great. Yeah, I mean, how do we say it? Come on. We got to do it right. Say your name, your last name. Verges. Verges. Yeah. Verges. And how do they find, if someone wanted to see some of your art or do that, what's the best place for them to uh, look you up? Uh, I am on Instagram as Dick Verges, D-I-C-K-V-E-R-G-E-Z at Instagram. Or uh, if you're in Miami, I've got an exhibit up running till the end of October at Ironside in Miami. You're also on Society6, right? Society6 if you want to buy stuff. And what's yes. your name? And feed, on and feed my heroin habit. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's your um, what's your <laughs> handle just, on just my name, uh, Richard Verges, Verges. Okay. So, uh, right. Rob, again, what, uh, are you going to be back next week for our next episode? We are. Don't you remember? We're doing it a special. Well, they don't care when we record it, but I'm going to be back for us to record you it. Will be. Okay, cool. 
I will. Uh, I, we're going to do it at the shack in beautiful uh, scenic Hialeah. Scenic Hialeah. <laughs> Mr. Bernie, Mr. Bernie Coipel of the band Humbert down here, and he is doing Neutral Milk Hotels uh, record air what's it called airplane airplane from uh, we airplane. were you know we were in Athens when they were in Athens where that was going on and we just were totally missed it we we're losers okay but it's a great record and Fernie's a uh, great character and we should have a lot of fun in the shack yeah so uh, thanks don't forget once again uh, go to patreon.com guys and Board become a patron trgmh for as little as a dollar a month or more yes. if you show, so choose you can support yeah. our efforts and we can buy some new equipment and, really, uh, but, not drug, but no drugs. We, we're not going to buy any drugs. No, we're heroin, no heroin. We're kids, too cheap. Please. Basically, no. Frankly, it's always, I've just been too, too much of a cheap uh, day. Richard, <laughs> thanks again so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Uh, great. Again, thank you, Rob and Barry. Yeah. That is a Rob Elba in uh, the yeah. beautiful airport vicinity of Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that record got me high. We'll see you guys next week. We are out. Later. What a curious life we have found here tonight There is music that sounds from the street There are lights in the clouds and there's ghosts all around Here a voice as it's rolling